the Lord put this on my heart this week, and I've been walking and, and praying around the church because I know that that we are under attack as a church and as individuals, and that's why these refreshings that we get today are so important, and why we come in here is to get refreshed. But but the Lord has called me out to to above the, my normal prayer time to walk around the church, and I know I've told you, but I've been going all the way to the West End and and uh, past the cemetery, and, and, and I got out there the other day, and of course, Drake is always with me no matter what, and Benji was with me that day, and that's Amy's dog, and, and anyway, we were rocking around the corner of the West End of the Cemetery, and a female, or a coyote in season comes out and does that cry that they do to draw dogs out, and man, just carrying on. And, and instantly, I remember Dad back in the day at our farm. He got me out of bed at like twelve o'clock one night, and said, "You come outside. You need to come out here." And he took me outside, and, and the coyotes were going crazy. And and he said, "Look out there!" And there was a female coyote in season, under the light, just going nuts. And and our dog Duke. That's why we name all of our dogs Duke, because my do- first dog was Duke, and all my dogs are Duke after that. But but the last, we had a dog named Prince, too. And these dogs were going nuts. And what Dad was showing me is, is that, that he goes, look out in the back in the dark. And there's eyes everywhere. And he said, the coyote is trying to lure your dogs out there to kill them. And he goes, I just wanted to make you aware of that and to show you. And it was a teaching moment. That's why he woke us up and took us out there. But I remember that instantly when I heard the same thing going on on the west end of the parking lot over there. And all at the same time, all this is going on, I yell at Drake, come back! and Because and, Drake and Benji took out after him. And Drake come back and sat by me, but I couldn't hardly get Benji back for nothing to the point where I had to pull my headset off and I used the cord of my headset to tie him up to keep him close to me and, and, and head back in. And as I was coming back in, the Lord spoke to me that we're in the last days. I'm coming back soon. And we ought to be rejoicing about that. Uh, but Christ is coming back soon. Uh, he, he's coming back quicker than we know. But the Lord spoke to me, the devil's getting brave. And the reason I say that is, in all of my years of being on the farm and, and living out in this community, I've never seen the coyotes come out in the daytime. It was broad daylight, uh, mid-morning, And I've never seen it in my life. And the Lord was speaking to me. The devil's getting bolder than ever because he knows the Lord's coming back. And he knows that that the time is short. So he's doing everything that he can to come against us as individuals, against us as a body. And the Lord began to just show me the things that people were going through. And, And I thought of one family. I know they're going through three major deals. Uh, I think of Larry Fast that just lost his dad. We know that, that his dad's going to heaven, but they're going through a heavy time now, and we need to keep them in prayer, and Nadine Overstreet, and I can just go on and on, but, but it's not like there's just one thing. There's a hundred things that have just turned loose on our lives. And I, I sense that we are weary as a body, and we get weary, and Brother Rez preached on that a few weeks ago. Don't be weary. But, but part of us ought to be excited because Jesus is coming back soon, uh, part of us ought to be excited that, that these things are happening because we're a threat to the devil. You know, if nothing's happening to us that, that we're probably not doing a whole lot. 
But, but we need to be excited that for days like today that we can come in here and get refreshed and that we can get renewed and that we can experience him. But, but Satan's turned it up. And when Satan turns it up, God turns it up. And that's what I want us to remember here today. That when Satan turns it up, God even turns it up more. And we're going to go through some scripture here. I'm just going to throw out 1 Peter to you here. But kind of make us think about, because a lot of times we get so caught up in our day-to-day activities, we, we get off sight that we're living for Christ to come back. And we're hoping that Christ comes back and we can get deterred in our thinking. But Second Peter says in chapter 3, In the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. And we're seeing that all over the news, all over the TV. We're seeing that all over our lives. Then they will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming? Second Peter 3, 4. In other words, they're saying, is Christ even real anymore? Is Christ even coming back? Maybe you've even said to yourself, is, where's Christ? What's he doing? Why isn't he here amongst me? But we begin to doubt that a little bit. And then it goes on to say, they'll deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. In other words, in the last days, we deliberately Forget the power of the word and the word, even to the finest thing of creation. And we know how creation has been twisted and turned so much. But not only that, but God's word has just been manipulated and changed so much. But Peter goes on to say, but the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a tremble, terrible noise. And the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. But something again, I remember and reminded you of today in Acts chapter 2. It says in the last days, God will pour out his spirit on his sons and his daughter. God will pour out his spirit on you. So I remind you again today, if Satan's turned it up in your life, then allow God to turn it up in your life as well, because that's what he's wanting to do today. That's the refreshing that we felt today, is that we allowed God to turn it up into our lives. A lot of people think that, you know, things aren't going to get hard, that, that when we see that, 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 but anyhow, what the Lord's put on my heart is Rick Renner says it, but he, and I know I've shared this before, but I want us to think about it. But, but whenever Christ died on the cross, whenever he was raised from the dead, that was the beginning of the last days. And I don't think we realize that. Christ could have come back. The minute he ascended, he could have come back for his people. And, and I think of the things that happened after Christ's death. I think of all the, the persecutions that went on. Read the book of Acts, all the things that happened in the book of Acts. Just all the stuff that took place during that time was after Christ rose from the dead and went to be of the Father. We see that the disciples were martyred and it just goes on down through there and it goes on to the, the, the church was hit with these great things. But in the book of Acts, you see this great move of God again. So in other words, when Satan turned it up, God turned it up even more. And even when the, the, the Roman account, you guys can read uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs and see all these Roman accounts. This isn't Christian account. These are Roman accounts of them grabbing up Christians that you and me don't even know 
and, and they grab them up and say, you deny Christ or we're going to do this, this, and this to you. And some of them, they even took to the point that they were boiling them with oil and they were worshiping God. Man, I touched the fire. I jumped back. And last thing on my, my mind is worshiping God. I mean, when, when we touch a hot stove, do we go, ah, praise God. We used to touch a hot stove and we like, ooh, say something we shouldn't do. But these people were so in tune with the Lord that they would put them in boiling oil and they'd be worshiping God. Man, talk about tough times, but talk about God stepping it up in tough times. And then if you're reading this last week, we can even go Old Testament. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were told, don't worship, or, uh, worship this God or else. And they didn't worship the God. And so what they do? They put him in the fiery furnace. And King Nebuchadnezzar says, hey, I remember putting him in and him in and him in. But who is that? But it's a son of man. Wow, that's powerful. When the world tries to burn us up, tries to tear us up, God meets that and brings us above that. And Keith saying about it, everybody's singing about it today, and we're feeling that here today. We're getting a taste of it today, but we need to remember no matter how much he turns it up, God's going to turn it up even more. Yeah, give him praise today. Not me, give God praise. But the reason I share this with you is Rick Renner believes it's like a hurricane. And that back in Christ's day was the front of the hurricane coming in to time, if you will. All those persecutions, all those things going on, the move of God and all that. And, and he explains the time, you know, in the middle there of being the eye of the storm when it was still all going on around, but we just didn't see the heaviness like we did at the beginning. But I believe, and he believes, we're coming into the, the backside of the hurricane. In other words, Christ is coming soon. And that backside of the hurricane is usually stronger than the front side of the hurricane. And that's exciting to me in two ways. You say, oh, you're excited that Satan's going to turn it up even more? No, I'm excited that God's going to do more than he did before. Amen. We ought to be pumped about that. God's not going to leave us hanging. We just need to be in the right place with him. We need to be in the right position with him. And he just shared with me seven things. I've titled it today, seven and seven. In other words, from chapter seven of Matthew, seven points. And I know there's a lot more in here. But I wanted you to remember these here today. They're simple, and I'm just going to brush right through them and move right through them. But these are simple things that we do as believers. And again, there's more. Read your word. Go home and, and read chapter 7. All I've been doing is listening to it over and over and over in different versions. And the Lord keeps speaking the same things to me. But the first thing is ask. And again, just you know, follow through with your Bibles with me. Just put your finger in Matthew 7. And we're going to just coast through there. But the Bible says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And I love the Amplified on that because the acronym ASK is also cool. You got A is ASK. And the Amplified says, keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep on asking. Keep on asking. Seek is the S of ASK. Seek and, and keep on seeking and you'll find. Knock. Keep on knocking reverently. And guys, you do those things, the door will be open. So you keep seeking God, and, and, and I loved a professor in Bible college. He's very sophisticated. He told us, he goes, you guys pray until the Lord tells you to shut up. That's pretty deep, isn't it? You pray about something until the Lord answers it, or he tells you to be quiet. 
It's that cut and dry. You seek, you knock, you, you, you ask God and until he moves in your life and he will do that. He will move in your life like never before. If you were here on Wednesday night uh, on, on 8-1, we shared our testimonies. But, but there was a, a message in tongues that night. And the message went like this. Thus saith the Lord, come into my house. Come into my house expecting. Did you guys come into God's house expecting today? Did you wake up this morning and say, God, I'm asking you. I'm seeking for you. Lord, I'm knocking on your door today for you to move in my life. Did we come that way today? Because that's what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to come into his house expecting. The word went on to say, come into my house wanting more of me. That, that's where I think we get at a lot of times. We come in when we got a lot of problems, but what about when life's really good? Do you come in expecting more of God when life's really good? That's when we can really experience a move of God. Because when we're, we're, we're on our mind on all these bad things and he moves, we kind of forget about it when it starts getting good again. Let's worship God and expect more when it's gooder. Amen? And so we see this here in the word. It goes on to uh, come into my house with the intentions of receiving from me. Come into my house to let me love on you. Come into my house to let me pray for you and be with you in all circumstances. Now, I struggled with that at first when I said, let me pray for you. But who intercedes for us but Christ? Christ is sitting by the throne of God and he intercedes for us day and night. Let me pray for you. So ask so that I can move in your life. Seek so that I can move in your life. Knock so I can move in your life so I can get a hold of God and say, touch these lives here today, Father. Come to my house for healing. Come to my house to receive from me. I don't come for you. You come for me. And a lot of times I think the Spirit put that out tonight because I've been praying about that as well. What did you mean by that, Lord? So many times we think because we come here, we did God a favor. You're doing God no favor by coming here. You're doing yourself a big favor. And I don't mean that mean. God wants our worship desires and inhabits the worship of his people. But if you think you're coming in here to, to help God get through his day, you're crazy. It's like Joel said, the rocks will cry out. God, you come here to get refreshed and renewed and experience more of him. Not that you can't at home, you can Two, treat others good. Verse 7, 12, or chapter 7, 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Pretty cut and dry. Jesus said to, to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbors yourself. That's the only requirements we have as believers is to love God with our, all of our heart, soul, and mind. Love our neighbors yourself. But that's how much we should love each other that we're willing to die for each other, that we're willing to sacrifice for each other. But it's one of the hardest things to do because people are the ones that are usually hurting us all the time. You know, it's usually people, if we're under the gun on something, it's usually people driving it. And if our feelings are hurt, it's usually people behind it. If things aren't going at work, it's usually something behind it and it's people. But we need to realize today to, to love the people and hate Satan. And we need to recognize where it's coming from and, 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 and love the people all the more. The word says in Matthew 5, 44, but I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And that way you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. 
And man, my wife said that to me the other day, and I didn't appreciate it at the time because I had every reason to be moaning around and be complaining. And she said, honey, pray for those who persecute you. Love those who persecute you. She's not in here, so I don't have to. Oh, she is right there. Oh, honey, you're so sweet. Help me out, Harvey. You should be supposed to go. Doesn't matter if I'm here or not. Yeah, she's here. Yeah. I was thinking, man, I'm getting some points and she's not even here. But but anyhow, I'm glad she's here. I got some points, you know. But 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 she loves me enough to keep me in line and say the things that need to say. And and to be honest with you, it upset me when she told me that. But she was right. Because it's it's God says love people and look out for people and take care of them. And it's hard to do when they're opposing you or against you. But we need to guard ourselves from that. Guard ourselves from our thoughts and do what is right. I posted on Facebook the other day and, and not even realizing what I was saying, but it just ministered to me all week. But you need to recognize this, this battle that's raging and the, and the fact that everything you say and do is either empowering God or the devil. So we as individuals need to be careful who we're empowering and that's from uh, John Bevere, by the way. I quoted him in that saying. But Jesus' own word says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. And so what we need to do is we need to be, when these things hit us, be above it. And watch our words and watch our actions and do what is right and make sure that Satan's not using us to hurt somebody to tear somebody down, that he's using us to build others up the best that we know how. And we always need to remember that that Jesus will reveal the truth and the truth always comes out. For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open and every secret will be brought to light, Mark 4, 22. But then he moves into the third point here that I want to talk about today in Matthew 7, 12 through 14. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. But let's back up and let's read it out of the NLT. Enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to hell. Whew, when you read it that way. And it goes on to say, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life or heaven. And those who find it are few. We need to... to to recognize this, that sometimes the easy way is not the best way. You see, our culture is eager for an easy religion, one that requires no effort and offers no consequences. This generation is more than any other wants to live however they'd like without boundaries or authorities. And Jesus even said this to the, the, the apostle in 2 Timothy 4, chapter, three, or chapter 4, verse 3. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. So we need to be careful not to chase after the easy way. Because you're going to hear feel-good preachers that won't, don't want to tell you anything else that the word might say. You're going to hear teachers that literally will, will fight against eternity and say that you're living eternity now. You're going to have uh, 
popular leaders say that you've got to earn your way to heaven. You're going to have false prophets everywhere just banging at you constantly trying to bring you down. But you need to realize, point four, that there are false prophets out there. And that's what Jesus said in Matthew seven fifteen: Be aware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. The other day, Amy called me in the middle of the night. Don't you love your kids? They wait till you get to bed, and at 12, 15, they text you because they're still up. And she said, Dad, you're right. And I said, I already knew that. You had to call me at 12, 15 in the middle of the night. But she was frantic. She was tripping. She said, I'm in the chicken house, and there's a fox in the chicken house. Well, Amy had 30 chickens probably six months ago, and she's got nine now, seven now. And we've caught Drake, my dog, Drake, as good as he is. No, we, he's got several. But I kept telling Amy that, hey, I've seen foxes up here. I've seen bobcats running up and down the road. There's more things out there. And she was reiterating, Dad, there is a fox in the hen house now, not realizing that it literally run over the top of her to get out. And she's telling me all this, and I go back to bed, and I'm laying there, and I thought, we know there was foxes out there. And the Lord quickly spoke to me, don't forget that Drake was in the hen house too. And a lot of times we want to blame Satan for everything that's going on representing the fox. Satan did this, Satan did that. When a lot of times it's people or false prophets in our lives that, that, that are acting like our best friend, that are corrupting our life over and over and over. And that represented Drake in this illustration we need to be on our guard against false prophets in our lives. False prophets, if you don't understand what prophets, a false prophet is, what's a prophet? A prophet somebody that stands on God's word and fights for it and, and will not detour from it. False prophet does the opposite. Pretty cut and dry. So when you have somebody that is human telling you things that aren't lining up with the Bible, and they're spewing that out and pushing that doctrine, that's false prophets. And I, I, I'm really careful saying this today because I don't want to make anybody mad, and I'm already feeling a little bit of pressure. You're saying that, that there could be false prophets in here? Yes, I am. Something that Rick Ruiz said to us the other day really caught me. But he said that, that 10 people kept 2.5 million people from going into the promised land. Now think about that. The 12 people that went into the promised land were all children of God, or the, the leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel. And, and every one of them were asked, God just said, be honest with you, cut and dry, God just said, go possess the land. That was his word. God's word was, go possess the land. Man's decided to go check out the land. That didn't line up with God's word from the start. He said, go possess the land. Well, God said, all right, go check it out if you want to go check it out. They went and checked it out. Two men come back and said, man, it's flowing milk with milk and honey. Let's go possess the land. That lined up with the word of God. They were prophets of God. Ten come back and said, oh, but there was the tallest men I've ever seen in the largest cities that I've ever seen. And there's even this people here there that are thought to be angels of God that were the evil part, in other words, that were cast out of heaven. And I could have used a fancy word by trying to make it more standable, understandable. But they began to put fear into the body. 
It wasn't lining up with God's word. And I'm sure then people had a, a point in time they repented of that. I don't know. But they were spewing out false prophecies that were contrary to God's word. And 10 people kept 2.5 people, million people from going into the promised land. God said, go take the land, Deuteronomy 1.8. Deuteronomy 1.28, the people are stronger, they are taller, their cities are larger with walls up to the sky. Walls all the way to the sky. We even saw the Anakites. Jesus said in the last days there will be many false prophets who will, will appear and deceive many people. Be careful not to listen to those saying and doing these things that are contrary to the word, that are tearing down to the bodies. Again, be careful of that. So how do we watch that? Point five. That's what's so neat about Jesus. Man, he just runs right through this in the, in the book here. And really, we just could have read the scriptures today. But point five, Jesus said in 721, do the will of the Father. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Lawlessness. If you're reading King James, New King James, some other versions are going to say iniquity. But what the word is saying here that, that to come overcome these, we've got to know the will and the word of God. We need to know him and we need to follow the will and the word of God. And Jesus was telling us that, that there's many godly people that knew the will and the ways of God and they did prophecies, they cast out demons, they did these great mighty works in the name of the Lord but in the end, Jesus said, depart from me, for I never knew you. And I've always struggled with that. Lord, what are you trying to say here? You know, what, what, what's going on in the scripture? You're saying, but only one who does the will of the Father in heaven. That's, that's what we need to be. That's the only one that's going to enter heaven. And God, these are supposed to be Christians. What's the deal? And the Lord really spoke to me that unchecked sin leads to trespasses. Unchecked trespasses leads to in iniquity or lawlessness. And, and so what does this mean? In other words, we're going about our business, and, and guys, I don't know if you're above it all, but I sin on occasion, and probably more than I should. Uh, how many of you go to bed every night and say, take a look at your life and examine your life and say, Lord, is there anything I need to be asking for forgiveness of? We're supposed to do that every night. Before you lay your head down, you should examine yourself. Be honest with you, you should be examining yourself throughout the day and, and saying, Lord, is there anything I need to work on? And as we go through the day, repent of it and move on. Well, as the Lord shows us these things, we have a choice whether to do them or not do them. But when we go up to the point where I'm so put out with Larry and I know that I'm put out with Larry, I, I can repent of that or I can say, God, I don't care what your word says. Larry, I'm sick and tired of you and I trespass against Larry. And I speak evil things against Larry. And I tear him down and I do all these things to him. Well, then I've committed a trespass. In other words, I've willingly sinned. God showed me the sin. I decided I wasn't going to deal with it. I was going to trespass. Well, again, God's going to show me that I trespassed against Larry. 
but, but life goes on and, and life goes on and, and man, I get even more spun up and, and so I just go attack them again. I don't give a hoot, God, what you think. I don't care what you are. I'm just going to do it because I'm right and everybody else is wrong. And, I'm right. and you just tear into everybody. And that's what lawlessness is, iniquity. Iniquity means, God, I don't care what you think. And you say, well, pastor, you're not biblical now. When David saw Bathsheba, got right? I think I said Delilah earlier, first service. Did I not? I didn't. Good. But he looked upon a naked lady. The sin should have turned and ran right then. But he said, oh, but that looks good. I want to look again. So he looks again and again and again and said, hey, come on over to the house. And then he woos her off her feet with all the things that he is. Man, this is trespassing now. He's got a guy's wife in his house wooing her, doing things he shouldn't be doing. He, he's in trespass now. I know I've trespassed against your eyes right now. That's what David was doing. Sleeps with her, gets her pregnant, goes even a step further. Once she's pregnant, he brings this guy back, and he tries to get out of it in a sneaky, sleazy way of denying it instead of just dealing with it and asking forgiveness. And so what you do, he sends a guy off and has him killed. That's iniquity. I don't care what you think, God. I don't, I don't give a hoot about your word. He was blind. He was so blind to what he did, he didn't even know what he was doing because he gave himself over to iniquity. That's, what I, that's where I believe these people were. I believe that's what the people where Christ were, that they had given themselves over to sin so bad that they didn't even know Christ when he walked in the room. They didn't even realize they were sinning. They'd given themselves up. Jesus didn't walk away. Because everything I'm talking to you about, there's forgiveness for. But we put ourselves in these positions. You say, Pastor, you're not correct. David did not realize what he do, was doing until Nathaniel came to him. And he gave him an illustration. And David goes, you get that guy, that evil person. And, and, and Nathaniel goes, it's you. And it made him wise up to what he was doing. And he repented. And he looked it up of his iniquity, lawlessness. He realized he'd given himself completely over to where he couldn't even hear God anymore. But again, in the scripture, God's still pursuing us. There's always repentance, always a place for repentance. There always is. But I believe that's the people that Christ was talking about in that scripture. Okay, you don't buy into it yet. Okay. Samson, I think Amy preached on a few weeks ago. The Nazarite um, um, rules, if you will. When Samson tore that lion open and ate the honey out of it, he was breaking the word of God right there. So he trespassed. You know, he's already trespassing. The sin hit him, and he's trespassing, and he just keeps doing things to the point that his hair, he cuts his hair, lets him cut his hair, which took away the power and the anointing of God. You see where I'm going with this? And to the point he got so far, he didn't even know what was going on, and they robbed the power of God from him. And he spent all them years in slavery and, and just hurt and pain. And then he cries out to the Lord at the last to redeem him. 
And again, David and him. Now, some scholars believe David was never, or not David, but uh, Samson was never redeemed. I don't agree to that. But some scholars think he died in a center of iniquity. But I don't think so. But something I want us to get here today is regardless of anything I'm saying today, you're giving yourself into sin the least little, least little bit. You're hurting the power and anointing of, in, of God in your life. And that's what I want us to get a hold of today. If, if I'm sitting up here and, 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 and caught up in sin and all this, I can't be what God wants me to be for you as a body so that it affects the anointing of Oakton. But I put it back on you today. When you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, in other words, repenting of sin, not allowing trespasses in your life, and for sure not letting it get into iniquity, when you're not doing that, you're affecting the anointing of Oakton, just like I am. So when we're allowing stuff in there, we're keeping God from doing what he can do. And again, don't get me wrong, God's doing a lot of good things, but as John Bevere says, God wants to do a lot of great things. We need to press into him and do the will of the Father. And so there's some things that the Lord's wanted me to work on lately. And, and this may sound dumb to you, but I tell you, it's sure working for me. But when I'm challenged with something the Lord's told me to quit doing, if I start doing it, I stop and say, I'd rather have the anointing in the presence of God in my life. And that's how I've been getting through a lot of stuff lately. And you think about that, well, you're doing it for you. no. I'm doing it because I want a better relationship with God. When we start doing things because we want a better relationship with God, that's a true reason, and God's going to bless that because that's worship to him. So do the will of the Father. And I got lots of scriptures you can look up to support what I just was talking about there. But build on God's word. Let me back up here. I want to throw some examples out to us today that we say that we're not in sin or transgressions or iniquity. If I've had it said to me one time, I've had it said a hundred times, and I'm going to look up in the sky, but, but pastor, yes, we're having sex before marriage, but pastor, we're going to be married in a month. Pastor, we're going to be married in three months. Hmm, that's a scary place to be. You know, if we're sitting out there and we know that we're in a sin, but, but I'll get it next week, God. Just get me through this week, and I'll take care of it next week. See where I'm getting at here today? Uh, anyway, build on God's word. Everyone who hears the words of mine and does them, this is in Matthew 7, 24 through 27, uh, does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Doing the will of God, following the word of God, you do those things and your house will not fall down. I don't care what's happening in this world. Jesus just said right there that if you stand on the will of God and the word of God, your house is going to stand. Tornadoes, whatever this world wants to throw at it. Then he goes on to say, but. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. God doesn't hate you. God's not angry with you. God's not even mad at you. 
Half the stuff happens to us because we build on the sand. If we would build on the word of God and the things and the will of God, we would find out we didn't have much trouble. I lived in Baton Rouge for a while. And back then, they was even having trouble in New Orleans with floods. And I keep telling myself, why do they keep building in flood zones? I don't understand it. It doesn't make a bit of sense to me when they build in a place they know is going to flood, but they do it anyway. And that's what we do as believers sometimes. We build on things just like they do in New Orleans and those places that are, if them dams break, they're done. But if we build on the things of God, whatever wants to happen can and we're going to be fine. And then last here tonight is seven is recognize the authority structure. And this one here pumped me up, Matthew 7, 28 and 29. And when Jesus had finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Did you guys get that? The scribes and the Pharisees and all the, the, the men and women or men leaders of God back in the day, they just basically said they didn't have an authority at all. They said Jesus taught as one who had authority. It reminded me when I went to seminary that, that I had to, to use the books that they give me to support anything I said. They wouldn't listen to anything I said unless one of the reading books, and you guys get this in college, the books of your reading books, you had to quote at least two out of them. But it always griped me, though, because I wanted to quote, quote all Bible. And they said, oh, but I want you to quote some men, too, to support what you believe. I don't need men to support what I believe. I just need God to support what I believe. No, you need to support. Yeah, give the Lord praise again. But, but guys, that's where we're at. We don't need men to support what we're doing. We need God to support what we're doing. That's it. And I'm not knocking colleges. That's the way they do things. But, but God needs to be the one that has authority in our life. And, and we need to realize Jesus' divine authority. Then you go over to chapter 8, Matthew 8, 9 and 10. And the centurion came to Jesus and he said, for I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another one, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. So we here we have a centurion that realized the authority and power, the anointing that Jesus had. And he came to him and said, Hey, I need a work in my life, and I need you to just say the word. And that's what Jesus was getting there. That's what marveled him was look at the faith. He realized the authority that I have. He realized the authority. In other words, this centurion realized the general puts out the word, it's going to happen. And it goes down to the next person, goes down to the next person. When it gets to him, he's over 100 people. He's going to say it and it's going to happen. And that's what he believed about Jesus. You just say the word and it'll happen. And Jesus said, look at the faith. He believes in my authority in his life. And by the way, go, your friend's healed. That's powerful. But if you look at the scripture ahead of that, there's two types of people in this first chapter here. The unbeliever, or unbelieving believer, I may say. He was a man with leprosy. He went to Christ, and he says, if it's your will, will you heal me? Guys, we don't have to, have to establish that it's Jesus' will to heal us. That's why he went to the cross. We don't have to establish that it's Jesus' will to save us. That's why he went to the cross. 
We don't have to establish that, that, that Jesus uh, uh, delivers us or sets us free or blesses us, whatever we want to plug in there because it was taken care of at the cross. Like the centurion, we need to realize the authority that he's given us. We need to believe the authority that he's given us. Just like Peter, when in chapter 3 in John, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. The government, the people there said, by what authority do you do this? And they went on to explain by authority of Jesus Christ that died on the cross. Whatever Paul was going through in Acts chapter 16, and the demon-possessed girl kept bothering him, and he got his fill of it, he turns around and said, if it's God's will, be gone. Did he say that? No. He said, be gone in the name of Jesus. God has given that authority to us. And we need to realize that to be believers in the authority that he's given us. I was dealing with a demon-possessed person. You ought to try to say that. Demon-possessed person not too long ago. And anyway, it had been about two, weeks, two months ago. And anyway, this guy, he would talk to me and we'd be getting through to him. And then he'd start talking to the demon behind me and looking at it. And I'd lose him. And so I try to pull him back in, and finally I'm getting frustrated with it. And he kept looking behind me. I said, be gone in the name of Jesus. And the kid looked at me, and he goes, how would you know that? And he said, he's gone. How would you do that? By what authority do you do that? And I said, in Jesus' name, we have that authority. And I was able to talk to him and get through to him and lead him to Christ that day. We need to take the authority that Christ has given us and walk in that authority so we come right around to what we started out with today. Yes, Satan's going to throw everything he can at you, but you do these simple things here and take the authority and do the best you can. Christ is going to be with you and he's got your back and you're going to tear this world up. But I can tell you somebody that that recognizes the authority, I'm going to close with this. Authority means you've been authorized. And Jesus has authorized us go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And he tells you all, you guys know all that's in the middle there. And if you don't, go read Mark 16, 15 on. But then the chapter talks about how Jesus backed them up. How Jesus did everything. And you can go do a study on it. Everything that Jesus said they would do, they did. Even raising people from the dead. Not by... They're, they're, they're sales, but by Jesus' authority in their life. And we have been given authority to take this world. That's why I'm so pumped about these teachers. My goodness, the authority they have in the school. The authority we have at our jobs, wherever we're at. But as I was saying before the praise team went up here tonight, is somebody that recognizes the authority is Satan. He recognizes the believer's authority. He knows it. Acts 19.15 the seven sons of Sceva or wherever it was at, they weren't believers, but they come and tried to cast a demon out. And the demon spoke to them, Jesus I know, Paul I recognize, but who are you? I tell you right now, the demons know Jesus and they recognize the believer. They have to. Recognize who you are. And man, go do it for the Lord. And so that's all I have for you today. But if you guys get a hold of that, you'll change the world.
If you get a hold of the authority that's in there, and again, we're doing some good things, but we could do some God things. Man, the prayer request today, you guys are praying for each other. You guys are standing with each other. Recognize the authority. If you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, that's how you get the authority. In Jesus' name, receive him in your life. He'll forgive you of your sins. He'll, he'll do all that great stuff that we've talked about today. But today, are we in transgressions and iniquities? Maybe we need to lay them at the Lord's feet today. But I don't know where you're at, but I know the Lord's minister today because he told me to speak this and that he would speak it to the body. And so it's in your plate. It's what you do with it. But God's wanting to do great things in our life. So as the praise team comes, let's all stand to our feet. And as we're singing this song here today, Father, we just open our hearts, Lord. Lord, we've already sang it. We've already prayed it. Father, that we wanted you to speak to our lives. And Father, you spoke to our lives through the word And so, Lord, we ask that we move out now and we respond. So, Lord, let this be a time of responding and checking our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise team. If you need prayer for anything, I'm up here. These altars are open.